Hello, my name is Adam Eason. Welcome to episode 94 of Hypnosis Weekly. Hello hypnosis friends and a very warm welcome to Hypnosis Weekly. Once again, in my own highly biased opinion, I think I have a Mr. Bombastic, semi-fantastic show lined up for you today. In a short while, I will be sharing with you this week's interview with my guest, Karen Puttick. Then we'll have this week's Hypnosis in the News stories, examining the media where hypnosis is featured. I offer up some personal, subjective commentary on the ways hypnosis is portrayed in the media, and also comment on some of the content of those media stories. This week I also have a major competition running. Anyone with an interest in hypnosis is going to love to hear about this. We've got a major prize. Um, We then return with our professional discussion with my guest Karen Puttick. We'll be talking about her Imaginators program. Uh, We'll round things off with this week's uh, hypnosis evidence-based factoid before I bid you farewell for another week. As I said at the beginning of every Hypnosis Weekly episode, this podcast is something that I want to encompass a feeling of embracing diversity, celebrating the field of hypnosis and encouraging friendly, professional, enjoyable discussion and debate, as well as doing its best to inform and educate. I do not share the same stance as most of our guests and at times have major differences in approach and leaning, but all are incredibly lovely people who I'd happily talk with until late in the pub and all of whom, following their time here on Hypnosis Weekly, I have a great deal of respect for. If you have questions, queries, thoughts or feedback, do get in touch via the Hypnosis Weekly website. All the references made in the discussions along with related links are posted at each episode on the website www.hypnosis-weekly.com. That's just hypnosisweekly with a hyphen in the middle dot com. You can add your thoughts, comments, make any suggestions there too. Please do share this podcast on Facebook, Twitter and anywhere else to help us reach more of the hypnosis community. It's greatly appreciated. And if you enjoy this podcast, then please do go give us a favourable rating, perhaps even a review at iTunes, and I'll be a BFF if you do. And it takes just a few seconds and a couple of clicks to give us a favourable rating. Um, um, so uh, let's, let's, let's move on. Let's crack on today. Um, um, our first point of business today, this week's interview with Karen Puttick. Um, Karen, I, I had to go through my notes. I had to re-go through my notes for today's show and just keep removing the fact that I'd written the lovely Karen Puttick. Uh, every time I'd written her name, the lovely Karen, the lovely Karen Puttick. Um, 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 because, because that's just kind of what I associate her with and with her. Um, and I just didn't want to be so, so, so kind of sickly sweet with regards to everything. Um, so Karen is a real favourite person of mine. She is an incredibly creative, and inspirational woman who's written a number of amazing books and created fascinating programs for helping others. When she was assisting on a class I was running, she brought in the manuals that had been given to her by her father, who had been a hypnotherapist decades before. And, uh, and we both shared a love in examining how the field was approached back then and what the, what the training comprised of. Um, um, and, and I just loved reading it. Um, we're going to talk about her Imaginators program in the second part of today's show. But for now, we're going to get to know her better. So for now, get comfy, my friends. Turn up the volume. Sip on your tea. Enjoy this week's interview. 
so as I've just been discussing, I'm delighted to welcome to Hypnosis Weekly this week's guest, the one and only Karen Puttick. Karen, welcome to Hypnosis Weekly. Thank you so much, Adam. It's great to be here. So tell us a little bit about yourself. Um, um, how did you get into this field? Tell us about your background and how you've arrived at where you are now. Okay, so um, my first experience of hypnosis was um, because my father was a hypnotherapist way back. Um, I was working it out earlier and it was in the late 70s. And he taught me self-hypnosis way back then. And I have used it when I've remembered all my life. Um, I adapted the stuff that I knew um, and learnt. I'm a lifelong learner. I just love yeah. learning stuff. Um, and I started teaching meditation, mindfulness, um, running children's fairy-themed parties based on um, magical moving stories, which were, in fact, meditations. And I did a whole load of holistic stuff and decided I really wanted to consolidate it with something with a little bit more gravitas, if you like. And yeah. um, that's when I decided to train as a hypnotherapist. Great, great. And so so where are you at as far as hypnosis is concerned? You know, um, um, tell us a little bit, um, um, how, how do you define hypnosis? Um, um, uh, if you have a working definition, that is. And, and you know, how do you explain it to, to your clients or, or other people when they ask you, you know, you get cornered uh, at a party? What, do, what, what, what typically, you know, where are you at with regards to that? I'm very much of the um, hypnosis as a mindset school of thought um, and that is how I always explain it um, to my clients and when I'm doing talks that that's what I will do. I think that takes a lot of the fear out of it um, as you know very well there is no evidence um, for trance for it being a sleep-like state or any of that and I do just tell clients that and normally they, they nod and smile and accept it um, I think one of the things that I always put a lot of emphasis on is intent. Yeah. Um, and I, you know, I, I always refer to dogs when it comes to intent. If you've got a dog on your lap and you're going, oh, come on, get down, it ain't going to work. As soon yeah. as you've got the intent to get the dog off your lap because yeah. your mind is focused on it, then it will work. And that's how I kind of sell hypnosis um, to my clients. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I like that. I like that a lot. Um, 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 tell us about um, tell us about your influences. You know, the kind of books, the authors that have taught you most, um, um, and so on. I, um, I I'm, I'm, you, you know, I, I'm guessing that um, um, you know your, your your father has been a you know really big influence upon you as well. And perhaps you could just kind of um, explain a little bit about some of those some of those influences and so on. Yeah, for sure. Um, my, my dad was remarkable. He was um, a stage hypnotist um, before I was born. He was a musician. He was very much an entertainer, but he was also an RAF policeman. So he, he had a, a lot of gravitas yeah. and um, he, he, he was very into mind control, my dad. Um, so when he became a hypnotherapist, it was kind of a natural progression for him. Yeah. But he always had a really great attitude to things. It's like I'm you've probably noticed I'm quite tall as women go. And um, I've been this height since I was about 11. Mm. And it was kind of this, oh, God, I'm so tall. I'm so much taller. My dad's attitude was, no, they're short. <laughs> so yeah. it was very, very much um, how, how I view the world. 
um, was somewhat formed by that. Um, and my influences, obviously, I've been through training. And um, as most people will know, I trained with you. And that was awesome, Adam. Thank you. Mm, um, but well I, I also, um, to be honest, I think most of what I learn, uh, most of my influences are not within the field of hypnosis. Mm. So people like um, Susan Cain, and yeah. really all her work around quiet, um, I've, I find that has been incredibly useful because so many of my clients fit into that category. Um, and when they come in, I can spot them now. Yeah. Um, so that that type of thing. Big fan of Martin Seligman, David Burns. Yeah. Um, the sort of the more contemporary people. Linda Hudson, her scripts and strategies in hypnotherapy with children. Um, because I do a lot of work with children, that, that has been very, very um, influential is not necessarily the word. But it, it's kind of given me the confidence. Um, I'm a great improviser. Yes. So, you know, her, her stories, her scripts have always been very, very helpful. But I think my biggest influence and um, source of information has been my clients. Yeah, yeah, right. Um, um, and... and... Just give me, you know, throughout your time of working with clients, or maybe, may, maybe in some other area, what has been one of the most impressive applications of hypnosis that you've witnessed? Um, personally, working with clients, um, I think the the most incredible thing is how effective it is with um, children with special educational needs. Um, I've, I've worked with quite a few clients, um, particularly with cerebral palsy, and they are all completely individual and different. So everything that I do has to be tailored very specifically to them. Yeah. Um, but it, it can be things like um, I have one particular client who is, is just the most amazing guy he's he, I've been seeing him for about four years occasionally when something comes up but his initial thing was um exam nerves and it wasn't so much that he was having nerves as just that normal tensing up that you get in a stressful situation mm. um and he was working in his um GCSEs using a scribe which mm. meant he had to talk now, one of the things that I discovered about this client was that whereas most of us breathe without thinking about it, yeah. there is a small part of his brain that is constantly focused on keeping the breathing naturally. So um, what that meant was we couldn't do anything that involved any sort of um, calming of the body in, in that way. But he managed to create something working together so that he was able to talk for longer. Mm, that's fascinating. Sounds bizarre, mm. but by being able to speak um, for longer before it became indecipherable, because um, like like a lot of people with um, disabilities, his speech um, slightly different from everybody else's. Mm. Um, so being able to do it for longer without it getting all jumbled up just meant that he was getting better grades in exams. Brilliant. Um, and. That's what really rings my bell. I love working with um, individuals. 
And that's that. I find that to be particularly interesting because there's the, 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 there's no set way that you go about dealing with something like that. You know, um, 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 that, that, that that's absolutely something that requires a very tailored approach, uh, a, a lot of a lot of consideration and thought and so on. And and I recognise that you know we. We, we we tailor things for, for every individual and be client client centered and client based um, um but that is something that you, you know it, it's difficult to go and dip into textbooks to look for direction and things like that or, or look for um um you, you know the, the, an in-depth body of uh hypnosis research on that particular process and and, and how you go about you, you know doing that would you agree yeah absolutely and and i think that's why um I do see hypnosis as as collaborative, not not just in terms of um, your client wanting to make the changes, um, but very much your, your client, um, not not all clients, but um, a lot of clients, actually contributing to the process. Mm. Um, you know, discovering what does and doesn't work for your client. Um, I, I work a bit with um, children on the autistic spectrum, and with them, it really is a case of spending some time finding out what it is that, that makes them tick. Mm. Uh, because once you've got that, then you've got something to build on. But if you, if you go straight in and use all the textbook stuff, you're on a hiding to nothing, to be honest. Mm. Mm. Interesting. Um, um, so if we, could, if we could go back, we go back mm. to when you started out. Um, um, as, a, as a hypnotherapist, as a, as a hypnosis professional, um, knowing, knowing what you know today, is there anything that you would do differently? And if so, what? And is there any advice that the person you are today would give the younger you? Um, um, and, and, and any advice that you'd share with um, our listeners today? That's, that's quite a difficult one, really, because I, I tend to um, be quite forward focused. Um, mm. It's one of the things that I... I I always um, tell my clients, you know, we're, we're looking to the future, not the past. Um, I wish I'd done it sooner, without a shadow of a doubt. You know, it was something that um, I thought about doing on and off for about 20 years and I never quite got round to it. <laughs> um, and I think I think the thing that I would probably um, say was one of my biggest sticking points when I first qualified was um, being very, very particular um, to the point of obsessive about where I was going to practice mm. and I think the thing that I've discovered is that actually if there's a little bit of noise going on in the background um, if there's other stuff going on around it actually doesn't matter yeah, it's okay. um, and, and I'd wish I'd known that back then um, that would have been really useful yeah, yeah I, um, I, I, you know I, I, I really hear you there you know it took me a good sort of 12, 13 years uh, until I got comfortable with the idea of not having a reclining chair in my office, for example, um, um, and, 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 and a number of different things and being able to do and work in a variety of different environments um, that weren't absolutely perfect. Um, um, yeah, yeah, I really appreciate that. Yeah, and, and I think the other thing is that um, sometimes very nature of being a human being, we doubt ourselves, and um, I think probably looking back, I wasn't entirely me when I first started practicing. I was practicing what I thought a professional hypnotherapist should be. Mm. 
And I think now um, I don't. I, I work in the way that suits me and the way that suits me suits my clients and I attract clients accordingly. So yeah. I, I think probably sort of stand, standing in your own power is is very important. Yeah, 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 yeah. That is um, some excellent advice. Really, really interesting. Um, and, and we're going to talk about, you know, in a short while, we're going to be talking about, um, 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 you know, this, this, the, your own specific approach and, and creation in a short while. Um, um, for now, um, Karen, where, where can people go to learn more about your work, your approach to hypnosis and so on? Okay, so I, I have um, a couple of websites, um, one of which is www.chiltonhypnotherapy.co.uk. And boy, is that a mouthful. <laughs> um, I also have um, an online, um, a number of online programs at www.mindsetforchange.com. So those those are my two main things. But I'm on LinkedIn. I'm on Facebook. Um, I'm occasionally on Twitter. Um, so right. that's kind of where I am. Yeah, and we will have links to um, to, to, to to all of those websites um, um, on this episode's page of uh, the Hypnosis Weekly uh, website. And um, um, go have a look. Go and have a good explore. Uh, of what's on offer, uh, uh, what Karen has on offer, because there's 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 loads of really cool, interesting things, um, and I've used that word a lot. Interesting today, because um, Karen is one of those people that I find incredibly interesting and fascinating in her, her approach and the way in which she does things. And and we're going to talk in a bit more detail, a bit more depth about that in just a few short minutes. So stay tuned. We'll be back with Karen Puttick in a short while. <music> Really enjoyed that. As I said, more from Karen uh, in a little while. On to this week's hypnosis in the news slot then. Um, just, as, just as I did last week. This week, I'm mentioning just a single story, just one story um, um, that was in the mail online uh, just recently. And it was entitled The Shark Whisperer. Incredible moment. A diver puts a tiger shark into a trance by hypnotizing it. So yes, this shares an incredible moment that a brave diver puts a tiger shark into a trance by hypnotizing it. So what Iggy Pop sang about is true after all. That's like hypnotizing chickens. So, you know, th 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 this, th this story um, 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 goes on to say the hypnosis called tonic immobility was performed by Lee Cobb at Tiger Beach in the Bahamas. Now, let me just repeat that because this is me quoting the story directly. The hypnosis called tonic immobility was performed by Lee Cobb. Now, if it's called tonic immobility, why not just call it that? Why not call it that instead of calling it hypnosis, which is what it's not? You know, why not say the shark whisperer? Incredible moment, a diver puts a shark uh, um, um, into a tonic immobility. Because that's what you're saying it's called. Why use the word hypnosis at all? Anyhow, the article then goes on um, um, because uh, Ms. Cobb, uh, she begins stroking this formidable predator's sides before gently encouraging uh, um, um, this this 
this fearsome shark to, to roll onto her back. And uh, the diver, uh, she keeps one hand on the shark's side and another on her head as she continues to move. And uh, smaller sharks stay nearby as well. And they're kind of swimming around the diver's knees as she continues what the, what, what the newspaper and what the article calls hypnosis. Anyway, toward the end of the article and after the footage, which you know, I've got to say, the footage itself is amazing to watch. It's a joy to watch, despite being nothing to do with hypnosis as far as I'm concerned. Anyhow, the, the article goes on and says, tonic immobility is a reflex that causes a state of immobility in animals, similar to that of hypnosis. Similar to that of hypnosis. What? A, a reflex that causes a state of immobility. Um, you know, I mean, probably the closest we get to that is when, when, when we have catalepsy as a side effect of, of one of the hypnosis sessions or of a particular hypnosis session. But hypnosis is not a reflex and it's not really a state either, at least not in the kind of trance state of altered consciousness sense of the term um, um, that, that many, many hypnotherapists do tend to, to, to still explain hypnosis in those terms. But it's largely disproven today. Um, anyhow, the article goes on to say, and I quote, the trance like <clears throat> the trance like state is triggered in sharks by stimulating the tiny sensory pores located on their snout, according to the shark trust. So, you know, thanks to the shark trust for, for, for stating that and for also confirming that this is, of course, nothing to do with hypnosis. And, you know, I don't think the shark trust use the words hypnosis in any way. Um, 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 uh, anyhow, it's nothing to do with hypnosis, at least as, as we know it, and at least as we have the evidence to support how we know it. Um, I recall uh, a few years ago, an episode on the TV show QI on the BBC that was dedicated to hypnosis. And on it, they discussed some methods of hypnotizing animals um, 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 then. And many people, including myself, suggested at the time also that hypnosis experienced by animals, so-called, is, is a physical response, much more than a psychological response. I mean, they're not responding to the words, as far as we know, you know, perhaps to, to, to tonality for those that have hearing. Um, or they're not really kind of responding to their own imagination. They're not really sort of uh, self-aware in the same way that, that, that perhaps you'd need to be in order to engage uh, in heterohypnosis. Some may think that animals' imaginations are being engaged as they respond in particular ways, maybe as a natural reaction to a threat, as a defence mechanism, for example. But hypnotising animals is clearly a deep subject. <laughs> I started giggling to myself then. I had to go back and, and re-record. Um, um, so you might notice the blip there. Yeah, hypnotising animals is clearly a deep subject subject and, and I, I've written on this subject before actually and, and albeit rather tongue-in-cheek if you if you've not gathered uh, that from the way I've been talking and I'll put a link to my article on animal hypnosis on this episode's page of the Hypnosis Weekly website. I think however the readiness of the media to always liken hypnosis to something which is more of a caricature than, than actual reality just perpetuates myth and, and heightens the difficulty um, 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 
you know, as far as us hypnotherapists being treated seriously, incredibly um, within our professional field is concerned. Anyhow, there's a link to this story over at this episode's page of the Hypnosis Weekly website, as there is each time out. Um, now, in a moment, I'm going to be talking to this week's guest again, I'm Karen Partick, about her Imaginators programme. Karen is going to be presenting on her Imaginators programme at this year's UK Hypnosis Convention. And guess what? Guess what? I have a competition and the prize is a ticket to this year's UK Hypnosis Convention. A ticket for all three days and the gala dinner. All you have to do um, um, is to give this podcast a rating and a review at iTunes and then email me to tell me what episode of the podcast was your favourite and why. It does not have to be long necessarily. Um, um, send that in to me and you will be entered into a draw which I will make in a couple of weeks time. Um, so go review, rate the podcast at iTunes, message me with uh, uh, your favourite episode, reasons why, and then you'll be entered into the draw and you can win £300 worth of UK hypnosis convention goodness you lucky things. Next up, we have this week's professional discussion then, and I welcome back Karen Patek. Karen is someone who, who, who really inspires and engages imaginations. Heck, anyone who values and creates as much laughter as she does, um, um, you know, has that in abundance. She, she created a program that I think is brilliant. Um, um, it's, it's simple and effective, and um, she's going to be talking about it today. Here is this week's professional discussion talking all about Karen Puttick's Imaginators programme. Enjoy. So I'm back now with Karen Puttick and we're going to be talking about um, Karen's Imaginator programme. Um, 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 and I think probably the best place for us to start is, is Karen, could you just, could you give us um, a, an idea of what, what it is? What, what is the, the, the Imaginators programme, first of all? Okay, so it's, uh, um, it's an online programme for um, an undefined market. It's, it's quite difficult for me to define my market because it, it is for um, adults, but it's very um, applicable to children as well. Mm. And it's fundamentally designed to give people a toolbox of skills for things like overcoming anxiety, building confidence, um, potentially managing pain. It's basically um, exploring stress. You know, so many people will, will come in and go, oh, I'm so stressed. But if you ask them what stress is, they haven't a clue. They really, it's, it's kind of this, this word that describes so many things. So um, I do quite a lot about explaining the nature of stress. Mm. But the overriding theme is the practical application of imagination. Mm. So how our imaginations affect our minds and our bodies, how our bodies affect our mind. Um, and I go all the way through from understanding stress managing stress, learning how to use guided visualization, meditation, a bit of mindfulness, all the way through to the real application of imagination using self-hypnosis. Mm, mm. And so, and so um, 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 how, did the, how, how did it come to be? How has it, it come to be? And, 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 but also, how did, how did the name come to be? Yeah, how did the name come to be? Do you know, Adam? I can't honestly remember. Um, I think it it was just 
I, I have always had this thing about the practical application of imagination. Mm. Um, and, you know, it's, it's, there's so much research out there now on imagination yeah. and how imagination is something that isn't just a toy, it's, it's a tool. Um, and I think imaginators just kind of became the thing. I did some workshops about seven years ago with, with a, um, a colleague doing play therapy for children. And we called that, I called that imaginators. Mm. Um, and I've just kind of retained it as something that it sums it up for me. You know, it's if you can do this, you're an imaginator. Yeah, yeah. Because I love it. I love that word. Um, it's great. And so, and, and so um, um, was it kind of born out of the work that you did with children um, and then you kind of, you know, created an adult version or, or what's the kind of story behind, um, behind how, it was, how it came to be, really? Yeah, I, I originally, I, I wrote it as a book originally and mm. went through the process of um, sending it out to publishers. And because it was so difficult to define the market, um, I had a number of publishers who were interested, but not as it stood. Right. Um, so I, I decided that maybe that wasn't the best medium. Um, it kind of came out of the stuff that I've been doing for 25 years with the benefit of what I now know. So um, using guided visualization, I know that's something that, that can... Um, tip into the woo um and i know you know what <laughs> i mean by the woo yeah uh, but but for anybody listening um all of the stuff that i do although there are um huge sort of leaps of imagination if you like they are not anything um outside the normal realms of a child um it's it's like the the process where we go off into the cosmos None of us have been into the cosmos and it looks different to everybody. Mm. That's our imagination. So our imaginations are just vast. Mm. Um, so what was the question? Yeah, so how did it come to be? <laughs> how did it come to be? Part of it was, uh, was the work doing um, guided visualisation, writing meditations, writing children's stories, which I've done for many, many years. Yeah. Um, but but also this this thing of clients coming in and um, having no concept of of how our minds and our bodies are linked together. Mm. You know this this whole thing. I've I've got a pain. Put a plaster on it. Um, well, actually, let's think about the pain differently. Um, as hypnotherapists, that's what we do without really thinking about it. I think. Um, but for people who don't experience hypnosis, um, who have no real understanding of how our brains work, they don't even think of thinking about it in a different way. Mm. So that's kind of where it came from, the recognition that, that people were going, oh, wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, you know, and, and I'm not talking about anything at a high level here. This is, this is really um, what most hypnotherapists would consider almost beneath what we do in terms of educating clients. Right. Um, but giving them the way to actually start to to grow that capacity in themselves without therapy, 
And really, my aim is to get in before people want therapy, before people need any sort of therapy. Not preventative. Absolutely. It's, and, it's like inoculating against stress. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I like that. Um, um, and, 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 so, and so is, you know, is there is there a sort of guiding philosophy that underpins it and that underpins the imaginators um the, the imaginator program and and you know so 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 that 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 idea of being um, preventative is that that that's obviously at the heart of it is there is there more of a guiding philosophy to it than that no i think i think that's it i mean everything i do um i aim to give my clients tools um that's how i have always worked um yeah. You know, when, when I'm with doing any sort of holistic therapy, um, it's, it's not a great business model, to be honest, because what it means is I get clients out of the door as quickly as I possibly can um, with the tools to go and do it themselves. So yeah. from a business point of view, not necessarily the <laughs> healthiest thing to do, um, but but it is really just about letting letting people go and do it for themselves. Um, yeah. And it's, it's stuff that... Um, I'm, I'm increasingly aware of the fact that children's imaginations are limited. They're limited by the amount of time that they are allowed to spend by themselves. Um, they're limited by um, so many things, you know, w without even going into life experience. games and televisions. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, we had televisions when, when I was little too, um, but, but it was a different thing, you know, computers completely absorbing their minds um, and their imaginations are still there but they're very very narrow mm. um, and uh, I think if I could do anything it would be just to allow them to realize that if you've got a, a great imagination then you can start to make things real by using your imagination yeah 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 you know I'm not great. talking about unicorns and ponies here <laughs> Uh, I just thought I should clarify that. <laughs> and so, and and you know, so, so can you give us some of the some of the key features of the Imaginators program? Yeah, absolutely. Um, you you probably we've known each other a long time, so I, I do tend to um, be a bit of a glass full sort of person. Yeah, absolutely. Um, as opposed to a glass half empty or half full, I, I quite like my glass full um, and topped up regularly. So um, I think that the whole thing is about positivity, about um, recognising that with a, a positive attitude, with a positive slant on things, actually um, seeing positive reasons for things. Mm -hmm. You can always learn something, you can always progress and actually get stronger because, um, you know, building resilience is fundamental. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I get that. Um, um and and so and so a kind of development of, of a positive mindset is really at the mm. heart of it. And then equipping people with with kind of skills to then sort of quite soberly and practically apply to to, to build that resilience um and inoculate against stress, you know, before yeah. it occurs. That's right. Um, you know, it's it's things like um, acting as if. Now, that that is is again, you know, it's it's something very very basic, very fundamental. But working, for instance, with with men who have anxiety going into meetings, yeah, 
one of the things that I have I have noticed is that a lot of these men used to wear collars and ties, don't anymore, mm. because that's not the culture largely anymore. No. But if you think what um, men would have done if they were wearing a tie before going into a meeting, they would have straightened their tie. Now, the act of straightening a tie is part of acting as if I'm a confident man. Yes. So yes. you straighten your tie. As soon as you straighten your tie, your posture becomes more upright because it has to because of the movement of doing it. Yeah. As soon as your posture is upright, your shoulders are back, your chin's held higher, you're breathing better and you're acting as if you're confident. Yeah. Yeah. Um, nice. So... And, and, you know, with, with children, we, we do this whole thing. I, I do it quite a lot with children in, in my clinic. You know, well, well what, does, what does unhappy look like? Um, mm. So shoulders hanging down. And um, so in the Imaginators program, it's kind of looking at what certain states look like. So how does happy look? How do we act happy? What yes. happens when we act happy? Yes. So it's sort of bringing the, the acting as if in there, um, learning how to escape into your imagination as well, which I think is actually very important. Oh, I love that idea. Yeah. Um, so, you know, a safe place. A safe place is absolutely um, core and fundamental. And again, learning that from my clients um I don't just work with children, I work with a broad spectrum and I've worked with quite a lot of elderly people and they've already got the safe place in their imaginations on the whole, mm. Mm. which yeah. kids don't seem to have. So sure. it's just bringing all of that together and then culminating um, in a very, very sort of vanilla sponge cake recipe for self-hypnosis. Lovely, lovely, lovely. I, I, I love the idea of vanilla sponge cake form of self-hypnosis um, um, um I, does that just mean that it's sweeter it just means that it's a basic recipe that you can add your own sp sprinkles and icings and flavorings to once you've mastered it adam nice i like that i like that that that, that felt um and that felt very satisfying to hear that response <laughs> Yeah, like that. Yeah. And so, so what's the future of the, the Imaginators programme, Karen? Okay, so um, I launched it. I've, I've been very fortunate that I, I've had, um, I've been working with a coach who has who has pulled me through this um, because um, it's, it's quite challenging, as yeah, you know, yeah. to get anything up online, especially because I'm doing all my own technology. So any any issues out there, just let me know. I'm, I'm my technical person as well. Um, the future is, at the moment, um, I'm in conversation with a number of local schools. Um, wow. And my my aim is, obviously, to sell this, this programme, um, yeah. because that, that would be nice. Um, but also, um, what I'm doing is I'm lo offering local schools... Um, a code so that they can go in for a limited period of time giving access to um, students in year five and six currently because I'm yeah. going into junior schools um, it seems to be something that um, special learning classroom assistants are very very keen to work with 
So that's that's one area, actually getting it into schools. Um, I'm also aiming it at therapists to offer it as as an add-on, just to be able to empower their clients early on. Something they can offer their clients, yeah. Yes. Yeah, yeah, brilliant. Absolutely. Absolutely. And so where can people go to, to learn more about it? Okay, so um, the web, website www.mindsetforchange.com um, hosts the Imaginators programme and I also have a Facebook page um, which is Mindset for Change and that has a group on it which is Imaginators and um, I post quite a lot of stuff in there. Yeah. And, and mindset for change, that's the word for, not the number four. That's the number four. That's the number four. Yeah. yeah, it is. Mindset for change. Um, um, and I will keep a link. Um, I'm going to make sure that there's a link to that, uh, to that site um, um, I'm up on the, this episode's uh, page uh, of, of the Hypnosis Weekly website. That's, um, that's brilliant. It sounds so exciting. Really exciting times ahead for you as well. And um, I need to go and get myself into that group as well over on Facebook and, uh, and go and learn a thing or two. Yes, um, do come join us, Adam. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, really, all that remains for me to say, um, um, Karen Puttick, thank you for being this week's guest. Thank you for, for sharing so generously. Um, I'm here today talking about the Imaginators programme, um, which sounds wonderful. Thank you so much, Adam. It's been a joy. I really enjoyed that, uh, the lovely Karen Puttick there. Uh, if you go to the UK Hypnosis Convention this year, go and track her down. I'm certain you'll leave her with a smile on your face. Um, on to this week's evidence-based hypnosis factoid of the week. And the fact of the week is this, that hypnosis can be used as a testable model for understanding and treating conversion hysteria symptoms. Um, I'll repeat that. Hypnosis can be used as a testable model for understanding and treating conversion hysteria symptoms. And this is fascinating. Very cool, in my opinion. Research has shown um, that hypnosis can be used as a testable model for helping us to understand hysteria. So in a case study using positron emission tomography, functional imaging, uh, PET scan to you and I, um, hypnotic paralysis activated similar brain areas to those in conversion hysteria. That is, when hypnotic suggestions were given for creating hypnotic paralysis, the same areas of the brain were activated to those in conversion hysteria. And this supports the view that hypnosis and hysteria might share some common neurophysiological mechanisms. And, you know, this is something I'm sure Charcot will be reveling in his grave about. Um, the, the results suggest that psychological mechanisms which underlie hypnotic phenomena provide a versatile and testable model for us to, to understand and potentially treat conversion hysteria symptoms. I just think that's a really cool piece of research. Um, I wanted to share it. Um, and a link to the research paper is included on this episode's page of the Hypnosis Weekly website. It's rare that hypnosis finds its way into the Lancet, something I've mentioned uh, before. Um, and this study from back in the year 2000 did just that. Um, it's called I I Imaging Hypnotic Paralysis Implications for conversion hysteria. Um, go, go take a look at it. A fascinating read. 
That's it for this week's 94th edition. I hope you found it as bombastic as I did. I do have many more exciting guests that I'll welcome to Hypnosis Weekly in coming editions. I will be discussing, debating, celebrating and uh, and above all remaining friends. Next time out I welcome Jules A. Lalonde to the show discussing something not discussed here before, the subject of primary affect. Um, and 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 affective continuity. I mean, it's it's fascinating stuff. I think you geeks in particular are going to love it, and you therapists. Um, um, all the references made in the discussions, along with the related links, are posted at each episode on the Hypnosis Weekly website, www.hypnosis-weekly.com. I absolutely welcome your thoughts, comments, suggestions, and questions. So do please message me or add them on the Hypnosis Weekly website, and I'll make sure they are addressed, answered, and explored accordingly. Please do share this podcast on Facebook, Twitter and anywhere else really help us reach the hypnosis field. And remember, send me in your competition entries. Uh, My thanks again to the lovely Karen Puttick. My thanks to you for tuning in. My name is Adam Eason. This has been Hypnosis Weekly. Until next time, goodbye for now. (music) 